Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. All right, good to have you back. Kurt Mortensen here. This is Maximize Your Influence Podcast 463. We're creeping up on 500. We'll do something really special for that. Hopefully, you're having an incredible week making things happen. Convincing with charisma, informing with influence, and selling like there's no tomorrow. Spent most of my time on the road this week. So I flew into Oklahoma City, taught in Arkansas City, or Ark City, or Arkansas as they call it, because it was in Kansas. I don't know. Seemed kind of interesting to me. Fun group as we spent time converting supervisors to managers, managers to leaders. That's a podcast for another time. Let's get into our geeky Scarly article. This is from Stanford University Journal of Neuroscience and published in the Cerebral Cortex. I know you have that by your bedstand. And it's talking about Zoom and virtual meetings. We've talked about this in the past, but some new research here. We know there's Zoom fatigue. We know it increases anxiety and ruins mood. (laughs) We know it takes more bandwidth. We know it's not natural, you know, watching yourself and other people all the time. Because usually at a meeting, you're watching the presenter or whoever's speaking. But on the flip side, it's cheap, fast, easy. And like we talked about a few weeks ago, you can talk to four times more people. That aside, there's the pros and cons. Here's something that can help you out because it's not going away. doesn't matter how much you like it or hate it. It's there. But basically, in these meetings, if you get people to take turns talking, that seems to change the game. This was done by Stanford medicine researchers. They looked at whether we work, behave, and feel differently in these virtual meetings versus in-person, face-to-face meetings. And they were looking at our brains and what was going on. And by the way, you know I'll post this at MaximizeYourInfluence.com with all the other things we'll be talking about today. And of course, you know, that's a place where you take your free persuasion IQ, find out more about what we do, check out the archives, and take a look at our advanced training programs. All right, housekeeping's done. They found while people generally work just as effectively in both situations, online interactions tended to reduce what they called turn talking. It's part of our conversation. You go, I go, switching speakers. They said in these virtual meetings, less turn talking or letting everybody talk was linked to less positive feelings about the interaction. So for some reason, these online video conferences, these Zoom calls, these Microsoft meetings, changes the way we cooperate and let people take turns. And it changes our speech behavior and how we feel about the interaction of the person. And that makes sense. I think you have these nonverbal cues in meetings, who's going, who's talking, when they're done, a little bit more than online. You never really know who's going next, especially if the camera's off. So they found a very simple way to increase positive feelings, which we all like. We know that mood matters. So they want to increase these positive feelings about positive interaction. They found that when you express appreciation for the other person, what a great idea, that's creative, thanks for sharing that, those type of things, that the social cognition part of the brain lit up bigger connection, better feelings. So letting people speak, having better banter, expressing more appreciation, For some reason, we just don't do that much online virtually, especially the group meetings. So what they did is they went to the laboratory, of course. Half the people did Zoom, half the people face-to-face. So they recorded video, and they monitored brain activity. 
And the groups were asked to collaborate on three work-related tasks using different cognitive or mental skills. There was a problem-solving task, a creative task, and an emotion-sharing task. So basically what that is, the problem-solving task, they asked participants to identify the four most important traffic safety rules on the U.S. highways. In their creativity task, they were asked to design a solution to increase water conservation in households. And in the emotion-sharing task, they discussed times when their needs were not met and how they felt. So before and after each task, they recorded their own energy and stress levels. And afterwards, they were asked how well the group performed on tasks and if they had a sense of closeness with their partner. Here's what they found out. The people that were virtual took fewer turns switching between speakers than the face-to-face -face groups did. Basically, each person spoke longer before the other responded or interrupted. So there wasn't as much banter back and forth. They said, if you interrupt one another on Zoom all the time, it's a little more awkward and people just don't take turns initiating speaking. But they did find the groups that took more turns switching between speakers reported a greater sense of cooperation, more positive feelings, and felt better about their performance. And they also performed better on the tasks they were asked to do. Of course, when there wasn't that turn-taking, there was negative feelings, less social interaction, and lower performance. So they're saying... They're not picking up on the body language, the facial expressions, and the virtual environment, the turn-taking that we naturally have face-to-face. -face. So just be aware, more turn-taking. And remember, creativity does not do well virtually, but you can get things done faster, solve problems, do tasks. But then there's that connection, that interaction. It's easier to maintain a relationship via virtual meetings. It's harder to start a relationship. So, you know, maybe you need to assign people countdown clock you've got five minutes you go call have somebody to be calling on people plus that increases interaction i think we're all a little guilty if i'm not teaching the virtual course i want to turn the camera off i want to fade i want to multitask i get it i understand it that's hard on the training side now you could be more engaging more persuasive have more connection and have better virtual calls with that let's get into the blunder let's say a blinja is this a blunder? Is this a ninja? You get to decide on this one. I think you've seen this one before. I just saw it again the other week. On the West Coast, went to In-N-Out Burger, getting my double-double. If you know what that is, you know that's very nice. Anyway, some way, somehow, every In-N-Out Burger is always massively busy. A lot of people, they're moving them in and out. And, you know, we had a group of six. We are talking, visiting, reconnecting. We had finished our meal. And they came up and said, can we take your tray? And they started just clearing our stuff. They didn't ask us to leave. <laughs> it was just kind of this subtle thing. I'm like, people, we need the table. Get out. And they didn't say that. Is that a blunder? Does that upset you? We see it at restaurants too. Do you need anything else? You want us to top up your drink? Just that kind of subtle, it's time to leave. We need your table. I don't know. Is that a blunder? Does that upset you? Let me know at Kurt, K-U-R-T at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. I love the subtle gestures. I think it's a ninja. You let me know. Of course, I've seen it done in a rude way. All right, we need the table. You've been here long enough. It's time to go. It's time to close. I think we've all seen that one too. But then you have the opposite psychology. We talked about this probably a few years ago. We had a food expert come on that if you leave the table messy, people eat less. Meaning if you have all you can eat chicken wings, you don't want to keep clearing them out. Most restaurants do. I mean, it's not fun to look at. 
But if you leave the stack of chicken bones or the stack of whatever they're eating and they say, oh man, I'm a pig, that helps them eat less. <laughs> Even in a smorgasbord, if you're facing the food you eat more, if you're facing the way you eat less, the further you have to walk, the less you eat. The size of your plate, the shape of your cup, the color of the room, the color of the food, your company, all that matters and how much food you eat. So kind of interesting psychology food. Maybe we should revisit that. Let me know. Send me an email on some of the things you want to hear on the show. But that is the blender. You decide. The subtle take your tray. They're being nice. They're serving you. They're taking your things. They're cleaning your table. But the reality is it's people. Get out. We need your table. We've got people that want to sit here. So you can decide. Blunder or ninja. I call it a blinja. So let's get into clickbait. What it is. Does it work? Can we use it? Is it ethical? The answer is yeah. I mean, we've all been burned and there's a bad taste in my mouth with a lot of clickbait out there, but there is something about that for someone to click on your email, to click on your ad, to go to your website, to grab their attention. We can learn from this world. With anything we learn with persuasion, influence, or motivation, we can use for great good or great evil. You know, is persuasion good or bad? <sighs> is gravity good or bad? I mean, it depends if you're falling from a tree or walking. It's all neutral. When I was doing research for laws of charisma, people use that charismatic power for great good, change in the world, improving lives, and people use it for great evil, destroyed people, destroyed countries, hurt lives. That's just how it is. So it's kind of a neutral thing. People get all concerned when you're talking about persuasion and the human mind and why would we do what we do and using power. Okay, all neutral, all neutral. Well, what if it turns into manipulation? Well, I mean, that's the line you have to draw. We don't want to manipulate. I mean, you cross the line when it's not a win-win and you have this bad intent and you haven't revealed what you were supposed to. Sure, that could be manipulation. Sure, people cross that line. But we don't do that here, maximizers. We persuade with power in the right way. So let's take a look at clickbait. We see it all the time. Why? Because it works. Just like all those emails from the people from Africa that have millions of dollars but can't get it out and need your help. I got a friend of mine that always answers, gets them on the phone and just plays with them. So that's not my goal to do. Maybe we'll record it and put it onto the show. So clickbait. It's just how the brain works. You know, you see this ad with this intriguing thing and you're like, you won't believe this. I'm like, well, I might. They put them out there to where it's so intriguing, arouses curiosity. Like, wait a minute, I don't think so. That couldn't be true. I doubt it. I'll decide if that's true. Some people like to click on them to be in the know. People that like to gossip, right? But anything that arouses curiosity, suspense, we want to know, it's intrigue. What's behind curtain number two? And it's also back to the FOMO. What if it's true? What if I need to know? Now, FOMO's always existed, but as you get younger and younger now, the digital side, FOMO is working more and more and has more and more of an impact. We'll have to talk about the psychology of that another time. Just know that that's true. But clickbait brings in the power of FOMO. And of course, that means fear of missing out. I call it the law of scarcity. Some call it psychological reactance. It has different names. So the fear of missing out makes us think of future regret. And we want to take action now to avoid that unpleasant feeling of regret in the future. So we go to the Webster Dictionary, look under clickbait. And it could be anything. They mentioned headline that's designed to make the readers want to click on a hyperlink. That leads to content. And they say of interest or dubious value. <laughs> Basically, clickbait is a content or an ad 
that's used, that's going to build curiosity, intrigue, that gets people to click on it, that gets them to their webpage. So they mentioned headline, but it could be a headline on a website, a headline in a digital ad. It could be a headline in a newspaper, a subject line in an email. It could be an intriguing picture with a caption. I saw one the other day, just it was a two-second video roll of something really crazy happening. All those things grab your attention, increase your curiosity. That is the key. Now, clickbait does have a bad reputation. How dare you? Why? Because it tends to overpromise. You click on it, you're like, really? I wasted my time. It didn't deliver what it said it would. It didn't talk about what it did. It was not believable. That's the problem with clickbait is that they click on it and it didn't deliver. We were disappointed. It didn't meet our expectations. Because usually they use these sensationalized headlines over the top. Say they deliver something and they don't. So why does it work? Well, according to Psychology Today and Mike Brooks, humans are drawn to seek out information that has survival value. We see it. Oh, no. The 10 things that are killing us. You got to watch out for this. What you didn't know. The 10 wrong things you were taught about. Those type of things. Especially with food and dieting. We see them all the time. So we like this information. And it's interesting. He says we forage for information much in the way our ancestors forage for food. That is hardwired into us that if the promise is unbelievable, provocative, or shocking, we got to click the link. We got to find out. Also, it triggers the dopamine reward system in our brain. Now, we all know dopamine is that hormone that's involved in pleasure that gets us addicted to all these digital things, to the TikToks, to everything else. When the phone buzzes, we got to know what it is. And they mentioned that there's research suggesting that dopamine incentivizes behavior more through wanting than liking. Or bottom line, dopamine creates an itch that needs to be scratched. So let's talk about how to use this. Before we do, let's talk about the good, the bad, the ugly. The good, you do get more clicks, more visitors, more views. Assuming if you have a good product, you're going to get more sales, you're going to get more noticed. The bad... If you don't deliver, people aren't going to like you. They might cancel you. They might unsubscribe from your email. They might never go to your website again. You didn't meet the audience expectations, which causes frustration, which could lead to anger. And the ugly, I mean, if you're in the internet marketing, it could hurt your website optimization for search engine, those type of things, if you do it in the wrong way. So let me give you some good and bad examples. I'm going to pull this from blueleads.com. Bad clickbait examples. All she did was drag her plate across the pool. What happened next blew my mind. Okay. When you read these 19 shocking food facts, you'll never want to eat again. He thought it was Bigfoot skull, but then experts told him this. 87-year-old trainer shares secret to losing weight. So those were bad. I mean, you could probably tweak them, switch them around a little bit. Here, there are examples of good. Seven graphic novels to read if you love FX Legion. Three simple steps to shed belly fat over 40 Shark Tank star reveals brilliant mortgage payoff tip. Best fleece photo blanket, just $45. What's your home worth? You notice they were all intriguing and suspenseful. The other ones are a little more believable, shorter, and they deliver. Again, seven things, the 42 reasons. Well, let me back up. You don't want too many reasons. It'll be too overwhelming, but it is intriguing. And one of the other complaints is that each step has to be a new website. It's just cluttered with ads. That can get annoying, especially when there's a lot of different reasons. Or anything live is intriguing, or last chance to, how to, why you should, are things that are intriguing. So how can we use this? 
Even if you're not a web person, just that subject line in your email to be intriguing, to grab attention, to arouse curiosity, the way you leave your voicemail, leave something unfinished. There are different ways to use this. You can use it on the internet. You can use it on the title of a presentation. You can use this. You could be more intriguing. Let me share the Zagarnik effect with you. Now, Bloom Zagarnik, Russian psychologist, goes to a cafe. And notice that all those waiters and waitresses don't have any notepads. They just remember what you order. They deliver it with complete accuracy. Once it was delivered and you asked them what they ordered, they couldn't remember. You're like, what? Yeah, unfinished, uncompleted tasks are remembered more. When things arouse curiosity or suspense, we want to know the ending. Just like the movies on commercial TV, the knife comes up, they go to commercial. Or the shows that say, oh, you know, your drinking water's killing you, stay tuned. That's clickbait. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Because we want to know the ending that's unfinished. We remember it more. The human brain wants to know the ending. That's why with FOMO, the scarcity, the ending, the frustration, we missed out. We don't want that ending. So be more aware. Your voicemails, your interaction, even your elevator pitch. What do you do for a living? I'm in real estate. No, no, no. What do you do for a living? Have you ever looked at a home, but it was perfect? And you really wanted to move in, you didn't think you could afford it? I make those dreams a reality. What do you do for a living? I'm a sales trainer. No, no, no. What do you do for a living? I help people double their sales. Hey, what do you do for a living? I teach persuasive presentations. No, no, no. Have you ever given a presentation and everybody said, good job, you say you're going to do it, and they say no? I teach people how to convince on command with charisma. Now, not everyone's going to say, well, well, how do you do that? But if they do, they're interested. The big one, if you really want to add one to your toolbox, we've talked about this one before, is the power of stories. Same thing. That could be considered clickbait. We want to know the end. You can't just tell half of a story, half of a joke. We need to know the end. That's why stories increase attention rates, are more memorable, simplify complex ideas, persuade under the radar, and change the game. You want to do this in a presentation. And you want to know what else? Facts and figures light up two parts of the brain. Stories light up seven parts of the brain. If you're giving a presentation, face-to-face, -face, virtual, it doesn't matter. This is the stacking of persuasion tools where you start off with the story, grab their attention, get them intrigued, do a little instruction, a little more of the story, some more instruction, a little more of the story, instruction. They're in tune, they're listening, they're intrigued, they want to know the solution, you're persuading under the radar. Talk about the stacking and persuasion tools, that is the key. So there you have it, I'm okay, clickbait people, change the name if you need to, but there is intrigue, curiosity, suspense, a little FOMO, whatever you need to do to make it happen. Take something you learned today, use it, apply it, make a difference. The special of the week, I'm going to switch it up a little bit, is InfluenceUniversity.com. It's usually a monthly membership. Now you can get 90% off lifetime subscription, everything I've created in one spot. The archives, the 52-week, the videos, the audios, the book downloads, all in one spot. Click on the link. It will change the game for you. Again, thanks for being here. Tell your family, friends, and enemies about the podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, iHeart, Google, under Maximize Your Influence. Do it. Make it happen. Achieve your goals. Become more influential. Become a master of the clickbait. And go out and persuade with power.